Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You are very welcome to another episode of the Scaling Your Business podcast. For this episode, we are joined by Roy Lawler, the Managing Director of School is Easy Ireland, and also the Director of Pitman Training in Swords. Roy, you're very welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Rian, and thanks so much for having me on. My pleasure, my pleasure. Roy, typical fashion of the show, so we spend the first couple of minutes getting to know the guest, and then we jump into the specific topic or fo- topic we're focused on. So with you... The information I know is I know you went to university in Galway back in the day, but I'm going to take a guess that you grew up in Dublin. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but what was life like growing up back in the day? Any favorite standout memories, hobbies that you had interest in? I, I grew up in Greystones. My, my, my parents lived in Monkstown first, and then we moved to Greystones when I was about 10. So I hadn't much choice in it, but Greystones was a nice, nice place to grow up and uh, swimming, sailing, rugby all the various sports that you play in a seaside town a bit like where i live now which is scary they're, they're, they're two quite similar towns and um, but yeah my childhood was uh, pretty good my parents had a nice house they were what you might say um acid rich but cash poor <laughs> things were tight enough sometimes um, and i went to i started work when i was about 12 because um uh, my father actually lost his job in 1970 so i uh, was drafted in when he got a new one I was drafted in to work and I worked in a, in a plastics factory in Wicklow packing so I was there from eight in the morning to five in the evening so that gave me a good um, idea of discipline and work and also the things that I prob- probably didn't feel like doing so that was that was um, that was part of it I I went to school in Prez at Prez Bray now Prez mm. Bray at the time when I went there they were building a swimming pool and it was supposed to be open in September, I think in September 1971 when I joined the school, but the, the pool didn't open on schedule, building problems. And uh, I was pestering the builders every day until December when they finally opened it. And it was a great thing to have while I was a student. So I got into, uh, I got in, I had done a lot of swimming when I lived in, in, in Monkstown, but when we uh, I was able to swim in, in this pool as well and train and I was swimming competitively and I was also doing life-saving and then as a result at 18 the brothers uh, rented the pool to me and I was teaching swimming classes in it. Now, wow. um, yeah so from from a from an early age I had kind of entrepreneurial propensities maybe you know um, in a small in a small way now in a very in, in a small way and I was just a student um, and I had a good partner so that's kind of where things started with the with uh, the entrepreneurial thing you know that I was um, I was always kind of thinking of things now uh, again fast forward to when I was 21 same partner that had the swimming classes with and we rented a school for the summer but lost our shirts lost our first shirts because the thing uh, we were going to run a summer school and it didn't take at the time you know Mm. and we did a fair bit of marketing but again you learn from your mistakes and you regroup and it was a difficult time to at that age to be you know in financial difficulty (laughs) what do you think it was What, what, what what do you think it was that led to that not being the success that you had hoped it would be it, it that's an interesting one probably the problem that we we did a lot of um, 
leaflet drops to schools. We did we did a lot of marketing, but we were probably underfunded in the marketing. And I think it's a thing that that I learned that if you are going to run a business, for instance, even a franchise, it's not enough to have the money to buy the franchise or start the business. You have to allow for a good bit of money for sales and marketing. Problem is when things go wrong, people start to shut or cut the sales and marketing budget, you know. Um, mm. or the, the bean counters cut, cut the sales and marketing exactly. but really the sale, say it's, it's, it's sales and marketing no sales and marketing it doesn't matter how good the product or service is um, you really so I, I did learn that lesson early on that, um, but it was an expensive lesson an expensive lesson I could have done without it but uh, so it, it, we, we kind of moved on I, I was always doing something to do with the water canoeing lessons and swimming lessons but uh, and then we were doing uh, windsurfing, canoeing, and sailing contracts with local language schools during the summer. When, again, this is when I was a student and just embarking on my professional career. Because nobody, nobody went into a job then with, with a definite idea. Like it could take you a couple of years to get sorted. You might be doing part-time work or whatever, and you were just trying to get yourself organised. And I had this liking for business all the time. But then, obviously, in those days, your parents. Uh, thought you should get the job you were trained for. So as it happened, although I studied law, I went into teaching. So I was teaching for mm-hmm. a long while. So I've been in education and training really for probably for most of my life anyway. Um, What's it? What is it that you like about teaching that's kept you in it? Because you, as a young kid, you enter the education system. And for me, that ended at 22, 23 when I got my degree. But for you, and like my girlfriend, she's a teacher, she's stayed in it. But you were, you were a lot longer than her at the moment. What was it or what is it that attracts you to teaching? It, I, like, I like the idea of, um, of seeing improvement. So whatever I teach, if, if I teach someone canoeing or I teach somebody swimming, I like the idea of seeing improvement. And it's the same when you, when you take on a, a class for the first time, whatever that class might be. Now, I worked in further education for most of my career. But when you take on a class uh, for the first time and you're trying to get them through those stages of norming, forming, conforming, whatever we say in in leadership theory. But eventually when they settle and you're you're seeing the progression, you're seeing them improve, not just the metrics that that we use, the, the FETAC or you know whatever the particular flavor of the month is in in certifying and but it's seeing them develop as people really is is probably has been for me has been an interesting thing and also keep in touch i have and like i mentioned killian fitzgerald who's a friend of mine for a long time through he was a student of mine and then we were involved in sailing as well and he was an instructor when we were teaching sailing to the language schools but keeping in touch with people that i knew it's an interesting thing to see people as they get older then how, how they how they've developed, how they do develop, and and how successful some of them become as well. You know, mm. uh, some of my friends have, you know, say who I might know from education have far surpassed me. And from a teacher's point of view, that's a good thing. It's nice to see people being uh, becoming more successful than you. I think that's a thing about teaching that um, otherwise you otherwise you couldn't really be in it. You you'd find yourself dissatisfied if you. But I I've been very happy about that. So I like that part of it. And um, I like. I, I, I like the fact I spent most of my, my teaching career in Finglas, so I, I felt, I hoped I was doing some good then. Um, and, and when I retired or when I stopped teaching, I felt, well, I haven't had to tell many lies. And I, um, I'm pretty proud, really, of, of what I did. Now, I could have done more, and everyone feels when they look back, they could have done more. Mm. 
overall, over my career, I probably tried to stay in the top third of teachers in my college, and I hope I did. I, I tried to get on with students. I Yeah, I, I tried my best, I think. So I, I, that's... You know what's interesting to me, Roy, is when I ask people questions around impact and influence, and I'm going to pose this question to you in a moment, and it goes something like, um, people can usually point to a small group of people uh, that had a massive impact on their early years that's helped them become the person they are today. People like close friends, parents, teachers. When I pose that question to people, almost everyone will think of a teacher that had a positive impact on them. I've taken clips of people naming the teacher and the university or the secondary school, found that teacher wherever he or she is and sent it to them. And it made their entire week. And they, but they never knew the impact they had on that person until they came on that podcast. And it was very random. They ended up on my podcast and they said it. So there's probably tons of people out there that you've influenced in a positive way that helped them become the person they are today that you've never even heard of because of the 20 times I've done it on my podcast, that teacher or lecture never knew the impact they had on that student. Um, in fact, one student credits his entire success of his business to this specific teacher. Um, so my question to you is, same question, is there any one, two or three or four or five people that you can pinpoint in your early life that massively influenced that helped you become the person you are today? I think that's a very hard one to answer because... Um, I, I think when you're very young, uh, certainly when I was very young, um, life was more, slightly more chaotic than it is now, let's say, you know, so there was socialising to be done. There was, and I, I don't think that young people then were as focused as young people are now or as capable. Now, I have two sons who are very capable and were certainly very focused from an early stage. I hope I've been a good influence on them. But in terms of myself, I think I was living fairly <laughs> just getting on with life but perhaps not as career focused as I could have been when I was young so things things I suppose I, I probably would have liked studying law but it, in those days it was very hard to get an apprenticeship unless your father was well connected so that wasn't really on the cards at the time and so although I studied law and was interested in it that didn't come around so I can't say there's anyone in law that has particularly influenced me you know um Although, as it happens, my younger son is doing law now and will qualify as a barrister next year. Congrats. You know, that's, that's life. Uh, um, in, in, in terms of people I know, uh, I, <laughs> I, I suppose uh, there was a chemistry teacher in Presbury called Tom O'Connor, and he was a very good guy and certainly very kind uh, to all of us when we were teaching. And then there's another guy, a maths teacher, I remember called Mick Mackey, whose son I met years later, who was actually selling computer services to our other business. And I remember remarking on, on it to him that his father was a very humane man. And I could see he was quite moved by the idea that mm. his father was one of the nicest people we had. So I suppose there's a couple of people like that. But in, 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 a, in, a, in the sense of influences, I think in, 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 in a funny way, I probably am my own man. And, and actually, although I seem quite mild, I'm terribly stubborn. I think it's a trait in our family. So I, I think when I was younger, I mean, I, I was married at 28 and so and I wouldn't have taken advice from anyone on, on how I should deal with that. But I remember recently giving my son some advice. He's 29 and he's a, he's a medic. And I look up at him because he's six foot four and I was giving him some fatherly advice, which say he wasn't terribly keen to take, but he took it. He didn't give up. And then I realized, you know, I'm talking to a guy, a professional guy of 29 
far smarter than me. And uh, I got married at 28 and I'm giving him a lecture about how he should live his life. I thought, stop there. You know, that's pointless. Mm. So I think, you know, things like that come come up or hit you occasionally as well. And you think, you know, um, maybe maybe you just be, be careful with the advice or don't offer it unless it's really wanted, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, we got you on the show to talk about all things franchising. You are the master franchiser uh, on your LinkedIn, the title is MD of School is Easy Ireland. So I could att- I could take an attempt at telling the listeners what it is, but you'll do a much better job. So the mic is yours, Roy. Okay, well, um, School is Easy is, I have the Master Franchise for Ireland, and I'm also involved in, a bit, I've had a franchise uh, for Pippin Training Soars for the last 15 years. Now, the the, both of those brands are owned by Launch Life International. It's a Canadian-based com- company that started, I think, in 2003. And Launch Life means to launch your life. So they are an educational um, multinational, and they want to be the number one brand in the world. So they have five brands. They have Pippin Training, they have School is Easy, they have Engineering for Kids, they have uh, the Academy of Learning. But they, they have these are their brands, and they're established around the world. We were at a quarterly meeting for Pippin there about two years ago, and uh, they mentioned at the meeting that they had this interesting opportunity in a master franchise. Now, to go back a, a, a bit there, I had looked Please. at master franchising in 2006. I had been in touch with the Irish Franchise Association. Michael Bradley was the chairman then, the late Michael Bradley, who only died recently. And um, I was talking to them, uh, John Green as well, who runs Chemdry, and these two guys are very keen on franchising, but very ethical franchisers, and they said to me, I had a safety training business, and almost nationwide, and I wanted to try franchising it, and they said, well, you'd have to have a pilot for three years, and you can't franchise it unless your pilot is up and running and totally successful, and then we've got to come in and kick it around the place and, you know, uh, get under the bonnet, literally, and I said, well, maybe it isn't possible to do this just yet. I had thought it would be a good way to expand quickly, but um, so I paused that we kept the safety training business going in in the the model we were using which was contract workers but uh we went uh we looked instead at a Pittman training center so we liked Pittman education and training again is pops up in our cvs all the time and so we took on this brand uh Pittman training source which we've run for the 15 years so it was a natural thing. I trusted the people who were running Launch Life because when they took over Pittman Training, they solved quite a, quite a big technical problem that we'd had for about a year and a half under the previous owners. So I had confidence in their technical abilities. And I took on this uh, School is Easy, and it's based on territories. I, I have uh, the, ter- the territory of Ireland, the, the 32 counties, and we sold four territories in Dublin already. Well, the territory on the go in Cork as well. And we're looking basically for people in other areas around the country like Cork and or North Cork and Kerry and Kildare and Mead, some of those larger counties that would be perfect for uh, home tutoring, which is what we do. So what, what our model is, we send a tutor into the home to deal with an individual student. It's not 
100 kids in a room doing classes. It's one-to-one tuition with a tutor who is selected to suit the child in consultation with the parents. And if the tutor doesn't work out, we can actually change the tutor. So Mm. that's our business model. And so what I'm looking for is, if you like, an area manager for Cork or Kerry or Kildare or Mead. And that person mightn't necessarily have been in education. They could be a team leader. They could be somebody who has managed or supervised but they would be responsible for recruiting and managing their own team of tutors, 20 to 25, 30 tutors, if they get very successful. And th- then those tutors give the, uh, the tutoring in the particular subjects that are in demand. So it's, for instance, maths might be the number one because a lot of people have a block of maths. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if you're a youngster going into school, you know, in first year in school and you, you don't get maths at the start, you're, you're, you're scuppered for, for the next six years and you'll be doing a very weak leaving certain maths and maths is quite important there's a lot of areas where, where numeracy is needed you know to get into accounting or engineering or any of those sort of technical things they all need a good grounding in maths so if you have a problem and you can solve that problem in first year instead of waiting to six year when you have a kind of a block about it at that stage so that's maths say now you know there might be a demand for maths i don't know in kerry but there might be no demand for Irish because everybody in Kerry probably is pretty good at Irish. But in Dublin, there'll be quite a demand for Irish because in Dublin, we have Gael Gavalliachlia, you know, we're, we're not traditionally that good, although some people have gone to Irish schools and that can be, that can be different. But so, so different subjects might be stronger in different areas. Um, but that's the model anyway, the, the, the uh, master franchiser gives the franchise to a person that they deem is suitable. Now, the, I'd want somebody who's energetic, who's committed to, you, yes, you're working from home, yes, you're working from your, your kitchen table maybe, but you still have to put the hours in, you still have to answer the phone in a timely manner if somebody rings up looking for a grind, and you still have to make sure your tutors are turning up to do the tutoring mm. at the time, because that's what it's all about, it's, uh, you can't be late for a class or for a meeting meeting a student, that, that doesn't work, you know, you have to be able to deliver everything in a timely manner. You need to be able to look after marketing as well. You know, uh, you'll be doing marketing in your own area. You'll have your own website. So it could be schoolisease.com forward slash uh, Ireland, or it could be schoolisease uh, forward slash Kerry, say, if that was your Mm. thing. And you put your Google AdWords onto that. And that's how you, one of the ways you attract your your clients, if you like, in your county area. Do you know what's interesting? I chatted to a woman from the UK called Kim Antonio. I can't remember the name of her business. She's on the podcast maybe 50 episodes ago. And she spoke, her whole thing is around helping students at the younger age where if they fall behind in a particular subject at, you know, 10 years old, then the, then trying to catch up at 11 or 12 is just so difficult. So it's making sure that those students don't fall behind and putting... Th- uh, things into place so that they can help those students overcome the hurdles and the, some of the difficulties of some subjects. But the but question here is, I'm very familiar with the franchise model. Sandler Training, the business that I'm involved in, is a franchise model. Um, and I was chatting to the UK Master Franchise recently. They've got conferences every three or four months to kind of internal conferences for their franchise owners to learn from one another and they're bringing guest speakers. And one of the things they were saying was around the topic of growing more franchises across the UK and the um you know in their package what are some of the things they showcase to show off the attractiveness of the franchise and some of the things are like 
the average franchise in the UK earns £235,000 a year. Uh, it's a business with no ceiling on it in terms of revenue potential. Um, you know, they provide the stats on what kind of businesses are in the specific market in the region they're buying into, and so on, so on, so on. The question I have for you, the reason I mentioned that was just to give people an idea, was if someone is looking to become an area manager, like you've just mentioned that you're looking for, what are some of the possibilities and attractive things that might bring them into it in, it to become an area manager? Because you did say that they don't necessarily need to be involved in education and it's more of a role to come in and grow a region. So what are some of the things that they can expect to see if they work their ass off? Okay, well, firstly, if, you, if, you're, if it's a normal startup, if you start up a business, the, the, the chances of your business being there, the new business being there in five years' time is probably, well, it's not very Small. high. Mm -hmm. But if you start a franchise, 90% of franchises are still there after five years. So I would say, first of all, that a franchise is a very good model. Now, you may not be able to conquer the world. You might only be able to conquer the kingdom if you have Kerry as, as your, your district, you know? I like what you did. But, but, but I, think that, I think that a lot of people might find that satisfying if they were thinking of moving from the corporate world, say, from the, the nine to nine in the morning to nine at night type of thing, always on sort of life. They might f feel that and everybody's more conscious of working from home now and of lifestyle since the, the pandemic hit. So I think that it's, it could be very attractive for somebody who has been very effective in a career, but maybe not burnt out, but is feeling after 20 years, maybe I should do something else. So th that's one person that might try to do it. As I say, an, an interest in education would be a great help. And, and a number of the people who've contacted me, although they may not be in education, but you can see that they've been on a board of their school or they've, they've been certainly interested in education or somebody maybe is doing one of the other franchises, but maybe thinks that this might give them more flexibility or more freedom to, 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 make, a, to make a better living. So you, you can make a, a good living. You won't get rich. If you want to be a multimillionaire, you probably better start building your spacecraft and you know head for the stars like, like the... Amazon owner Jeff Bezos and somebody yeah. like it's not we're not going to be doing that but <clears throat> if you want to take a risk but not be on your own if you want to have good support from a head office where you'll get marketing support advice HR advice and um, advertising PR all of the things that you get from say attending meetings with your peers in in a franchise group I think that's very useful I, I look back at my own experiences in Pittman and, and it's not all it's not all rosy in the garden and there's sometimes ferocious rows you go to a quarterly meeting with the Pittman owners and they're a very feisty bunch they all have other businesses they're very engaged in what they're doing they're their focus is on making a decent living and uh, doing now and they run their centers very well but they're businesses they're all business owners and we've had a few um, we've had a few humdingers you know where people have very differing views on how something might be done but that's part of a group dynamic and that happens in all successful groups we're not just sitting there meekly listening to what's said to us and i'd say that the the owners probably from Canada do see that in Ireland, but also the franchises in Ireland, the six, the 18 now, I think we have 18 Pippin franchises are more successful probably per, per wow. head than the UK ones. They're, they are very, very successful. The Irish That's amazing. Ones. And 18. they, 
generate. Yeah, they gen now, they're kind of under the radar because the previous master franchiser lived in England himself and his strengths were in administration, uh, organization, uh, close support, organizing sales training, keeping that up to date. But he was not interested in PR. He was not he wouldn't do a podcast in a million years and he would not be on radio, radio or television talking about the business. So I think we suffered a bit by the fact that we didn't have PR going on. And I think PR is the it's the key thing for small for small businesses where you, where you can't bang a million into advertising. Um, PR is probably the, the, the best way to go about getting out, talking about your talking mm. about your business and getting the thing out. So so that's there's there's two types i think there's two types of people who become entrepreneurs there's people who have it in their genes who just feel like all the time thinking of would, what would this good would this idea work would that work and i mean some of them try a business i've i've been in several businesses some of them have been successful moderately successful and some of them haven't and um you you bear the scars of those but so that person may not be satisfied with the franchise, but somebody who, who say has left a bank or left teaching or left a, a, a well-paid job, state job after 20 years, but is still only maybe 40, 40, 50 and wants to do something else. The franchise might represent a safer investment for them. They could make a good living, but they wouldn't be under the same pressures if they tried to set up a business where they could lose focus or where they didn't know where they were mm. in the first place. And um, there's a lot of people have business ideas, but they're not all good business ideas. You know, um, they, 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 you know, you see, you see people setting up, you see on LinkedIn now, you see a lot of people with diff different business, but you know, they're kind of not fluffy, but they're not, they're not hard edged money-making operations. Whereas the, the essence of the franchise is yes, we want to help people. Yes, it's it's a kind of a service industry, but also it, it, people can aspire to to owning a good business and and being able to sell it on later if they want to exit. So if you have a, a strong franchise in a certain territory and you decide you want to retire, take early retirement, or after your your time, your ten or fifteen years, or whatever it might be, running it, but you have something that you can sell, and it's not just like you're selling your own name, you're selling an, a, a, an established brand name that people would recognize if they were looking to buy a new Exactly. Business. Whereas they might, just, they might buy Royal Order Limited, but they might very well buy Pippin Training Swords or they might buy mm. uh, School is Easy Kerry. That's what a lot of the franchise owners that I talk to in the business that I'm involved in do, you know, they get to the, you, 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 you couldn't have said it better in terms of like, a lot of them come from that corporate career where they spend 20, 30, 40 years in a corporate career and they want to get a, they, they essentially want to buy themselves a job and be able to make a decent living out of it, uh, have an impact and uh, without the risk of going and starting a, a brand new business with all the added benefits of the support, like within the network that I'm involved in, uh, if you're in the UK or Ireland, you can attend six internal conferences a year. So every two months, you have the chance to spend a full day, a day and a half with other franchise owners and guest speakers and learn from them. You've got the home office supporting you every single day of the week. There's multiple people you can get in contact with. And I'm sure that's the same for yourself as well. So there was a couple of interesting stats that Dave McWilliams, the economist, he has his own podcast mentioned only yesterday. And it was, I said, I better write them down so I can mention them on this podcast um, because they, they stood out to me. I think this, the study was by KPMG, but I'll leave the link to the podcast below if anyone wants to listen to it. And it said that 42% um, of Irish workers intend to leave the job in the next year compared to 21% pre-pandemic. 
that stat was was wild to me. And ninety four percent of people employed in their job are not happy. So there is alternatives out there um, without all the risk, but a lot of the benefit of the training, the HR, the marketing um, that you've just mentioned. So if anyone wants to, and we're not near the end of the podcast, by the way, Roy, but I just want to give a shout out. If anybody wants to learn more about potentially what is involved in buying a franchise or becoming an area manager, where's the best way to get in contact with you? Well, my, my email is ireland.schoolisease.com. They could contact me there. They could have a look at our, our website, schoolisease.com, uh, mm-hmm. and then they'll find me there as well. And I'm also on LinkedIn, uh, and my, um, my mobile number is, is on a, it's below the fold on LinkedIn as well. So if somebody wanted to contact me, they could get me, they could get me through that. I'll leave all those details in the description field wherever people are listening to this, whether it's on Spotify or Apple or any of the other common podcast apps. Um, Roy, a question I like to ask a lot of my guests is around success. And here's the question. Do you have a personal definition of what success means to you? I think, um, yeah, that's another, it's a very good one. Um, I don't know whether I'm successful or not, uh, because I, fi- I figure a fellow of 63 who buys a new business and decides to start having had a career in teaching and having had a career or having a career in fra- franchise business. I suppose at 63, if you start a, a new business and buy a master franchise and start trying to sell franchises, you're, you're vaguely dissatisfied possibly with how you feel your career was so you know um, or you don't like the idea of retirement and you just want to keep your brain active it could be it could be that it could be that so i think lockdown was an interesting thing because we had to shut our business in source but because we've got a computer-based learning platform we're able to keep looking after the students and we had one of our staff was living in Fibsborough and the other guy lives in Swords and he helps me a lot with the social mark. We do a lot of um, social marketing, digital mm. marketing stuff. So he's helping me with that. And Maria, my wife and business partner, we were at home in Scaries, uh, running the Pippin Centre, if you like, from home. And we kind of mm. like that. Whereas normally we're going down to the office every day and we have to have four meetings a day to have, you know, to feed through 100 inquiries to get a 25% conversion, you know, the conversion rates, the metrics for, for, for yep. doing sales. So it's, 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 that's quite hard work and you're out every day. So we were thinking, you know what, if we were able to concentrate on school is easy, we'd be able to work from home ourselves. We could also be working from anywhere. Um, that's that's perfectly feasible as well and I think I think that kind of appealed and I think the idea of not stopping I, I felt I'm, I'm 63 I have a Jack Russell he he I walk awesome. around scaries I, I do about 10k a day now if I was retired I'd need my father's still alive at 96 so I figure I'd need about six Jack Russells to keep me going walking around scaries till 96 I'm not quite ready for that either you know um, but I, I, I recognize the balance in life I mean I'm, I'm I've always been keen on, on sport and activity. And as I say, I walk a lot. I'm in a, in a walking club. Um, I swim every day in the sea. I've done that for years. It's, I'm not a, a new adopter. And I don't, yes, I don't have a dry robe. Um, I just... Do you uh, still swim in, at the end of October? Oh, I'm swimming. I, I was swimming in yesterday. It's quite rough. Wow. I'm going in today and I spend about 10 to 15 minutes. So I can still swim about four metres there. But we're, we're, we swim all day around, myself and a couple of friends. I swim at a, I swim at a, a pal, a friend of a friend, and the man is eighty six, and he had a oh, hip, no. he had a hip done in February, 
and um, he was back in the water in May and he swims, he gardens, he walks um, at 86, but he says that his older brother is much fitter than him at 90. So <laughs> strong, strong genes there. So uh, these, that's a good model or example because it would be nice to be 86 and still standing up straight. So I'm, I'm conscious of the balance in life, but as, as regards the success thing, um, I'm not sure uh, when you're young, when, you're, when, when I was young, your parents really wanted you to have a job, you know, a career, get into a job, get the safe, secure job. And so that that mitigated against entrepreneurial stuff. So my kind of entrepreneurial things kept breaking out. But I don't think I ever I, I don't think I ever got had a good enough idea to to, you know, render down. And and also the supports weren't around 40 years ago. You know, it was more difficult to win the business. You were definitely on your own, whereas now the enterprise boards are really good. Um, very helpful. I mean, we built our first website for the safety training business in the year 2000. So we've been we've been website savvy since since 2000. But we built it with a grant from the Enterprise Board. And the only quibble I have with the Enterprise Board is, is that they're not very friendly towards franchising. They regard franchising as a sort of a displacement activity. They think that if they back a franchise, say in a town, and they put and cost or coffee or something comes to scaries that will displace a, 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 a local trader if you like or a, a, a mm. Irish state trader which, which is is understandable but 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 not completely reasonable because mm. franchising gives people the, the the amount of failed businesses that are strewn across the landscape you know uh, from startups is amazing and actually if if they encouraged franchises they would actually be getting more people into employment between the person taking the franchise and then the employees they would take on as well, you know. Like if this, if if my goals are met and I have um, twenty franchises in uh, throughout Ireland within the next four to five years, I would have um, probably about five hundred people tutoring for us. So it, wow, that's a lot it, of employment. It's a lot, and you know, a lot of students for the last two years haven't had work because there was no opportunities for them. So it's a good opportunity for somebody who's say just coming out of teacher training college and wants to hasn't got started on the job ladder yet, but wants to get a bit of experience. They can work with us. So, or somebody say who's, you know, taking a career break because they've got three or four kids, um, but might like to keep their hand in with teaching. They could work with us as well. Even somebody retired. I, I have a friend who's a retired principal and he does some work in a very well-known uh, Grimes College let's say in Dublin I won't name it because I probably won't name my competitors but it's well the Institute of Education we've all been there I suppose it's there for the last 40 years or more so yeah that's that's um that's probably it but success I'm I'm, I'm still not sure I I think my my children though if I was to take an exam I think my children are more successful they did what I asked them to do they went to school, they took it seriously, they played sport, they took it seriously, they were enthusiastic about things they were doing. They were quite, they were quite easy to manage, I think. Mm. But they're far more successful than me. My, my older son, as I say, went to school, did his Leaving Cert, played rugby, had a, even had a girlfriend in Leaving Cert we didn't know about, we only found out by accident, <laughs> and still got his 600 points or whatever and got wow. his opportunity first time to do medicine. So he was, he, he was on the way the whole time the second guy showed a lot of determination because he wasn't as smart but he was very keen in rugby and at one stage 
I thought he was going to be a prof- he thought he was going to be a professional rugby player, but he bust one shoulder and then bust the other and then bust a leg and uh, that was the oh. end of rugby. So he turned around and started studying and um, I remember I remember checking his homework notebook in fifth year every day because I wasn't getting the outcomes I want. Now I'm 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 not you know too officious or that, and I don't check people. I mean, if people work for me, I just say do, listen, do it this way, and we we get on fine. But sometimes you have to take strong action and the guy wasn't doing anything um, and then because of the rugby, but then uh, the injury and then me on his case uh, by sixth year, I didn't have to do anything. Then he went to, he didn't do as well in the Leaving Cert as he hoped, but he got into DCU, didn't get into Trinity or where his brother was or didn't get into UC, very disappointed, but got into DCU, regrouped after a month and came out with the first. And then with the first, he went to Oxford and did a master's in law. So, wow. I think, yeah, I think they, I mean they're far more successful than I am. So if you measure it just by the, the. the well, you're successful the, in having raised them to be successful. That's a. Well, that's I mean a, that's it, that comes back to the thing about the, the about the, the teaching that um you look at people that you have an influence on and you say you're delighted and if they are more successful because it, teachers will have that you, teaching you reach a certain level a comfortable level in Ireland you you, you can live comfortably you've only mm. got 10 years for, you've only about 10 years when you're broke under the reading all the food but then um, yes you look back and say yes that was a success and do you feel envy no you don't you just feel pleased that the job worked out well but I mean parenting you you won't have that issue yet I'm sure but you're a very young man but not, um, not yet <laughs> It's, um, it's an ongoing process and it never ends. And, uh, you know, sometimes you say, Jesus, oh, did I really sign up for this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I have a little while to go. Um, final, final question for you, Roy, is, and I've never asked this to a teacher, so I'm curious to know, would you have an answer to this? If you were the decision maker in adding a new mandatory subject to the secondary school curriculum, what would it be and why? Well, I, I, I'm not sure I can answer that, but I can just give you I can give you an example that might help. So Please. My, my older boy did the seven subjects for the Leaving Cert and performed really well in all of those because he was a guy who was good across the whole the whole range. My younger boy wasn't good at maths at all. We, we spent a lot of time and energy trying to get that right, but he had been he'd been lost for four years in his first year and I from first year to fourth year and he did go to quite a good school but I, I, I wouldn't be fair to say about this but um, so the seven subjects of the leaving cert suited the older boy but didn't suit the younger boy and the younger boy might have been better doing a levels where he would have done say english and history and maybe politics or sociology, because those are, those are the areas he ended up in, and those are the areas he excelled in. So he wasn't ever going to be a 600-point man in that rough metric that's the leaving cert, but he could have done very well had he been doing A-level somewhere else. So sometimes it, it could be better to do less subjects once the, the, the child and the parents and the support staff, the teaching staff, know what the person's strength is. Now, mm. it's a difficult one to pick because sometimes people think, oh, I really interested in science, but maybe they don't have the background to do chemistry, physics and biology for their leaving cert. But, it's a, it's, but I think it's, I do think maybe uh, some people, it would suit them better if they didn't have the seven subjects, if they just had actually three or four subjects, mm. like the A-levels. I, I, I'm not saying, and I, I don't know what the answer is, and I don't know which is the better model. I just think in the case of my two, and sometimes you can bring it down to specifics, I think in the case of my two, that perhaps the 
four, sub three subjects might have done for my younger boy and he might have excelled sooner because I wasn't sure what, Pop was going, I, I wasn't sure was there a brain even in, when he was in fifth year because he was so focused on the rugby and building himself up and getting bigger. He was 18 stone when he was, wow. <laughs> yeah, he was very big, you know, uh, but he was concentrating in nutrition and very interested in that side of things, but not so interested in the academics for, for quite a while anyway, you know, yeah. Roy, well. it's, it's, been a, it's been a pleasure chatting with you for the last 45, 50 minutes. Um, I, I'll, I'll leave links to how to get in contact with you, the LinkedIn page, the company website of both businesses uh, in the description field of this. If there's anything else you'd like me to leave a link to, you, just send me a message after the podcast and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll put it in. But for today, I wish you continued success um, with your current businesses and, and in your personal life as well. Um, but thanks for being my guest. Thanks so much, Ray, and a pleasure to be on. If your metro don't trust you, I'm gonna show you. Beautiful morning.